Hello and welcome to the Mental Sweet Spot Podcast, where we share stories, tips, and strategies for coaching the mental game with softball. I'm Melanie Rushing and I'll be joined shortly by Alicia Smith and today's guest as she shares how they prepare their girls to perform so they can keep the game fun. She's the lead assistant at Illinois Wesleyan University, a team that's been a staple at the D3 National Tournament in her three years with the team. She works primarily with the pitchers and catchers who have already been awarded Player and Pitcher of the Week this early in the season. She also works with the entire team on the mental game, helping them stay on top of the poles by maintaining a strong culture. If you want to implement mental training sessions to help your girls play free and have more fun, just head to mentalsweetspot.com to learn more about our quick win resources, mental training toolkit, and team consulting. Now let's get started. We are very excited to introduce you to Illinois Wesleyan assistant coach, Nikki Miller. Welcome, coach. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Hey, coach. How are you doing? Uh, thank you again for definitely coming on and enjoying us today. We can't wait to talk to you about your culture and some of the things that you do with your team. Sounds good. So just to start off, could you describe your culture maybe in just a few words or some of the things that you focus on at, at your university? Yeah, I think um, the biggest ultimate goal that we want to get out of our kids, and we tell all of our recruits this, like we want them to leave better humans and then when they step on onto campus. So that's the ultimate goal as us for us as a coaching staff is just make these better people. And so they leave um, IWOO as better people and they can contribute to the world and whatever they want to do. So that's the ultimate goal. Um, as far as like our actual team, I think the three best words to describe them is energetic, compassionate, and intelligent. Ooh, those are good ones. Okay. I want to dig into this a little bit more. How uh-huh. does that play out on the field? Because I was listening to another podcast recently, other than yours, on NSCA. <laughs> Listeners, go check that one out as well. Um, and they were talking about, like, how the team plays. And they were talking about aggressive base running and are they a power-hitting team. But I think the most exciting is to use those words like that. So how does their energy show up on game day for you? I mean, their energy is unreal. I mean, you ask anybody that watches us play, and I think the biggest compliment for us as a staff is, like, when people tell us how fun it is to watch our girls play, um, they are so fun. They're screaming, they're dancing, there's beats going on in the dugout, there's always cheering going on, um, and it's not just when we're on offense, when we're on defense as well, they're always communicating, there's always talking to each other. So that's the biggest thing for us is energy, and we tell we tell them they can – um, only control three things when they come to practice, their effort, their attitude, and their energy. And I think the energy is definitely the, the biggest strong suit of our team. They just, they just love each other and they love being around each other and they, they want to have fun together. Um, we have 10 seniors this year, so they've been together for four years and they just love playing together and they want to spend time together. So I think um, energy for sure is the biggest thing that makes us who we are as a program. How did you start embedding that as part of your culture and how did you get them on board when it came to that? You know, it's always kind of been here. Um, I stepped in to the program um, on my head coach's second year. So my head coach, Tiffany Prager, this is her fourth year and this is my third year here. So when I stepped in, it was already like that. Um, And I think it's something we instill in our kids and we make it known when we recruit, like this is what we expect from our kids. Like this is what we expect when you step in on the field, when you step in and practice, like you have to communicate, you have to have good energy. And that's just an expectation we hold, we hold to them and they do a really good job with it. Um, we have 
little cards that um, we had them define like what effort, attitude, and energy means, as well as um, being focused and being a good teammate. And they defined it in their own words, and we put this on cards. So like, if anybody's ever um, slacking in practice or isn't having good energy, we'll just send them over, go read your card, and then come back to practice when you're ready. A, that is awesome. I'm stealing it. Uh, B, you also <laughs> stole my next question, so I'm going to skip that one. <laughs> um, so can you give a, an example of one of those cards, what they might say? Yeah, um, I think for energy, they have definitely fun on there. They have um, dancing. They like to dance. They like to sing. We, we often break out in Alicia Keys in the dugout. That happens a lot. Um, they just like to cheer on their teammates and they always want to talk. So it, we instill in them, you know, they talk to two people in between each pitch. So that's on there. Um, they made it up themselves. Focus is just letting go of outside school, family, outside um, forces when you're in practice, really being focused in on what you're doing at the time. Um, there's like probably 20 different words on there for what they want and to encompass in each of them. And they just keep them on their bags at all times the, and all three of those words are so intertwined right because like you said and okay. they're, they're also not just effort but everything is controllable right all of those words are controllable yeah. for them so yeah and we talk about we talk about that a lot about what, what you can control what you can't control um and those those are the five things you control basically in our game everything else is uncontrollable so how do you incorporate those controllables into your practice yeah, we just we talk we talk about it a lot and we put them in situations that make them uncomfortable. Um, and we have a lot of classroom classroom conversation. We even just last night we spent an hour in the classroom. We talked about um, we kind of talked about being a good teammate, um, what each person wants to provide to the team, what each person wants to individually give to the team. We made them promise. We made them write it on the board. We said it's the sentence started out with I will, and then they finished the sentence. So some of them said. I will be passionate every day and play for the love of the game. Some people said I will give my 100% effort no matter what I'm doing. And, and they were all different. Um, so we had them make that. And that's their promise to their teammates that they're going to show up every day and give 100% or whatever they decided to say on that. That That's their promise to their teammates and they're going to be all in. This is awesome. This is literally all the things I just updated in our in control course. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, we just, I just wrote about this. Um, tell me a little bit more about when the girls we call it getting stuck. Usually when you lose focus, it's because of an uncontrollable, but then when you get stuck, it's either you're stuck in the past or you're stuck in the future. What are the tendencies for your girls that you see? I know you specifically, you work with the pitchers and catchers. Um, and then how do you mm -hmm. get them back to the present? Yeah. Um, actually this year I work with pitchers and catchers mainly, um, like Mel said, and I, we have weekly meetings that we call battery. And so I'll meet with them on a weekly basis. It's with our pitchers and catchers. Um, sometimes we listen to podcasts. Sometimes we read articles this year. We're reading heads up baseball 2.0. Um, so we've been reading that and we just talked about actually on Wednesday about red light, yellow light, green light. So uh, we talked about what does it look like for each person to be in a green light? What gives them yellow light when it like gets them down or they start thinking um, negatively? And then what does a red light look like? And can you get back from a red light? Um, and what do you need to do to get back for a yellow light? So we went around the room. So our catchers hear it, our pitchers hear it. 
what each person needs to be able to get back to that green light. And that goes back to the controllables and uncontrollables because if they're upset because their defense behind them made an error, like they can't control that. If they put a good pitch on the plate, so it's just moving on and focusing on the here and now and focusing on the present. Um, that goes back to focus too. So really being one pitch focus. We talk about one pitch focus, one pitch present, and just being in the now moment as opposed to living in the past or thinking about what's going to happen in the future. And I think that's just as important, especially when you have such a great or a, an important combination of pitcher catcher. They need to work together. I think I think what's so important with that exercise that you just mentioned is that they're getting to know each other and, and how they can work together and how if the catcher notices the pitcher, she can remind her how to get back to that green light, right? So I think that that, that in itself is also very important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's been awesome. And it's not, not saying like the podcast we listen to or the books we read aren't important, but like people are going to take different things from each thing we, we read. So um, it's really just spending, we get to spend an extra hour together, just the pitchers and catchers that we're not doing anything physical. Like we're sitting around a table, looking at each other, talking to each other, and we get to know each other. And, um, we have a bunch of young, young pitchers or newcomers to our staff. So it's been helpful for them to kind of get to know everybody. And it's really helpful for me too, because now I know how to talk to them. Like I know what to say to them when I have to go out to the circle in the middle of an inning when they're not performing well. Um, so that helps me as a coach, and I think it's just as important for me to be in those conversations as it is for them to talk to a, talk to them to each other. Yeah, that's huge, especially the pitcher catcher relationship is so unique, and they have to trust each other so much, especially in the heat of the moment. What do you think helps when they are so close and they know each other so well? How does that help the rest of the team? Yeah, I think if our battery's in sync, the rest of the team's going to be in sync. Um, because at the end of the day, it starts in a circle and you have to have a strong pitcher to be successful. Um, you have to score runs to win, obviously, but if your pitcher is giving up six runs a game, it's going to be really hard to win. So, um, it starts in a circle there. And I think hopefully our team sees how hard our pitchers and catchers work and they want to emulate that. And I think, like I said, our team's really supportive of each other. They're really compassionate. They, they love each other. They love being around each other. And it doesn't matter if it's a pitcher or an outfielder or a catcher or an outfielder. Um, they all love each other so much. So I think just seeing how close they are extends to the rest of the team. And we have, we have kids on my team that we have a lot of position players that catch um, in bullpens because we only have two catchers. So they'll catch a bullpen and they're always like, can we come to battery? I want to come to battery. <laughs> so they want to be on it too, which is cool. I love that. That was my question about yeah. the same two-year NFC episode. I'm like, what about the rest of the girls? I was a shortstop. I want in on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sometimes they're like, come on, we want to be part of battery. And like I said, we do a lot of classroom work with the whole team. Um, just mainly, I just like being with the battery separately just so we can specifically focus on what we need to do um, between the pitchers and catchers. But we do tons of classroom work as a whole team. We read a book every year. We do a personality test every year. Um, so we do that as a whole team. And like I said, that activity we did last night, um, with the, I will statements was with the whole team too. So we get a lot of that with the whole entire team. Ah, oh, such good stuff. How do you feel that like talking about this stuff all the time and really ingraining it in everything you do, how has that helped your actual performance? I think last year helped our pitchers a lot. Um, 
it was their idea to start the whole battery thing. They wanted more mental training and um, we didn't want to work it into practice. Like I wanted practice to be more physical and then we could meet outside of practice. Luckily in D3 rules, we don't have any hour limits. So that's nice. Um, but it, it really changed them last year. Um, we had a phenomenal pitching staff. We actually led the country in lowest ERA. So um, obviously they're physically talented. There's no question about that. But I think it really changed the way they think about the game. Um, and we do talk about working with each other and, and stuff like that. But also we talk about like, okay, in a 0-2 count, where should we throw this pitch? Um, uh, with a 7-8-9 hitter up, where should we throw this pitch? What does this person look like at the plate? What do we need to attack them with? So we talk about a little bit of the physical stuff as well, but it's just getting on the same page. We want to make sure that I'm on the same page with the catchers, they're on the same page with the pitchers, and everybody in between. Have you translated any of that to the hitters and doing some of the mental training with specific to hitting? Yeah, we, we work with hitters a lot. Um, all three of our coaches on staff work with hitters. So uh, we talk about um, what approach they want to the plate. Like, what do they go up looking for when they are less than two strikes? Um, when they get in a two-strike mentality, what are they doing? Are they making an adjustment? Are they scooting out to the plate? We changed our hands. What are we doing? Um, and then, you know, talk to we encourage them to talk to each other. What is the pitcher throwing? Where should I be? Um, where is she throwing a slapper as opposed to a lefty hitter as opposed to a righty hitter? So we encourage them. That comes back to the communication part of the whole of the girls. Um, they do a lot of that in the dugout, and we talk to them about approach a lot and what they want to look for and what's the best pitch for them to hit. I love that you're talking about approach. I, man, it seems like all I do is listen to podcasts, but it's pretty much true. <laughs> I was listening to another podcast today. <laughs> um, uh, uh, the Texas A&M coaches talking about how even at that level at SEC, they're getting girls who aren't good at their plate approach. So I think it's yeah. really great that people are starting to talk about this more because, shoot, we all know if we think back to our own experiences, no matter how great your mechanics were off that tee, it's whatever in a game. <laughs> so mm-hmm. we kind of focus on the things we can control, which is paying attention to yep. what they're throwing us. Yep, exactly. And paying and knowing yourself, you have to be aware, um, like what you're good and what you're bad at as an individual. Because so if the pitcher's throwing all curveballs and I can't hit a curveball, like I got to back off the plate as a lefty and pull that thing. So it's knowing what you're good at too and what you got to have self awareness. So we're talking so much about the controllables. I want to take it now a little bit of a different route. And with those strengths and weaknesses you're talking about, how do you get them to be very self-aware, but also when it comes down to it, when the pitch is live, you're on the field, how do you choose what to focus on, strength or weakness? I think it has to be strength. I think, I think you're putting your team in a bad position if your pitcher's throwing a weakest pitch. Um, unless they're ahead in the count, then we can get away with it. But um, it has to be strength. And we actually – I talked to, to my pitchers a couple weeks ago about there's probably four games this season that you're going to feel 100% in, especially our top two pitchers are both seniors. So, like, your body breaks down the older you get. So, they're they're feeling it a little bit. Um, so, the rest of the games, you might be 80%. You might be 50% 
on a couple games and can you get past that feeling of being in the bullpen before the game and thinking to yourself like oh no I don't feel good this isn't working this isn't working can you still be confident in your ability to win a game and I think you have to be you have to lead in with confidence because if you get on the if you get in the circle without confidence like the other team's gonna smash you so um, really getting them to understand that you're not going to be 100 percent but you guys are good enough and you're tough enough to win at 50 percent and getting them to understand that and being aware of the things that's working that day again go back to self-awareness like what's really working is my curveball breaking or is, am i leaving it flat or am i leaving it fat down the middle maybe we don't throw it that day so being aware and i think the older you get you're you're more aware of yourself i think freshmen sophomores have um more of a tough time with that but my two senior pitchers are really aware of their bodies and they know when something doesn't feel right and they know when a pitch isn't working so that goes back to awareness and then what is working that day what can we lean on um heads up baseball actually really talks about they always say like grab your weapons and go to war so what tools are working take what you have today and go out there and compete with it I think you touched on something that's really important and that probably is never is not talked about very much from from other coaches and you mentioned that you're going to feel temp, your body's going to feel great or perfect 10 percent of the time and I think that any collegiate athlete right regardless of the season regardless even if it's high school because even though our season's only three three and a half foot long they're still doing something six days a week right so I think yeah. that that's that's really important to hit on from a coach's standpoint is is one, they have to be okay with not feeling 100%, but how do they battle through that, right? Like you mentioned, how do they battle through not feeling 100%? Because I've heard my pitchers, I don't know how many times, you know, my, my drop ball's not working today, and that's my best pitch. And, and, and it's just kind of throw them, you know, for the whole game. So mm -hmm. I, I have experienced that too. And, and I think to, to put it in that, to put it in that, in that, put it in that way where it's just awareness of your body and being okay with it. Number one, but number two, find, find that next best pitch and battle through that's just as mentally tough. I think battling through those physical aspects, right. As, as the mental aspects. Yeah. I think, um, I rarely let them throw all their pitches in practice. So some days they'll get two pitches. Some days they'll get three pitches. Some days they'll get four pitches. Um, pretty much the only time they have all their pitches to throw is in a game. So I limit them. Sometimes I say, okay, you're throwing your change up, your weakest pitch, and then you can pick another one. Or sometimes I'll be like, okay, your two best pitches and your weakest pitch. So I'll, I'll give them certain pitches. Sometimes I'll let them pick what pitches they want to throw. Um, usually I throw a change up every day because I think it's really important to have a good change or off speed. Um, but that already limits them. So then you have to go throw live against hitters and you only have half your tools. So figure it out figure out how to beat our hitters so I do that a lot in practice so when it happens in a game and they they're like you said their drop ball is not working okay well this other pitch is working so we're going to throw that that's awesome I think one of the best gifts we can give our players is the ability to problem solve on their own in the yeah. moment <laughs> yeah because we're not on the field with them we can't Even do it for them a lot of times we we wish we were like give me the ball <laughs> See, I wasn't a pitcher and now I coach pitchers. So now I'm like, you got to do it. I have no, I have no skill in this. So that's actually really helpful. Maybe I should consider that when I go back. 
Yeah, sometimes I just, like, make up workouts. I'm like, I don't know if this is what pigeon coaches do, but I'm going to try it, so. It might actually be an advantage, though, right? Because you're not so focused yeah. on the mechanics. But what you just, what the, it's basically a drill, is what you just described. It's, it's mm-hmm. a perfect example of embedding mental training into your practice without, quote-unquote, making it something else to do. Yep. Right. And of course the classroom time too, I do the same thing. The classroom time is just as important, but I think that's one of the things that sometimes as coaches we struggle with is how do we actually implement it in, into the particular things we're doing. And that's a perfect example because you're, you're basically saying this happens 99% of the time. So how are you going to react to it? Let's practice it in practice. Yeah. And honestly, it started out of, out of, oh, shoot, I only have 15 minutes to warm my pitchers up, so they're going to have to be limited on pitches. But it turned out well, and we do it every day now, so um, it works out. I love when that happens. <laughs> so what are some other things you do with your girls? We talk about there's different almost like phases of coaching. We got to preach something to get them to understand the importance and the why we talk about that. And we got to teach them how to do it. And then we got to get to train and ingrain. So training to me is like what you're doing with these drills and teaching them like, Hey, sometimes it's going to suck and you're good enough to get through it. But that ingrain part to me is when you really like take off the training wheels, send them or throw them in the deep end, whichever (laughs) metaphor you want to (laughs) use. What are some ways that, especially now when you guys are indoor prepping for going to the warm weather to play some more, what are some things you do to help start ingraining those things in tough situations where they're on their own when you're still practicing? Yeah, we try to empower them as much as possible. Um, I think the two biggest things we do, one is each week so the first either first four weeks or the like middle four weeks of um preseason practice before we play we let each class plan a practice so um freshmen start it which i think is great because they have no idea what they're doing because they haven't been here ever to see what a you know team-led practice is so they plan the practice they set up the practice which we normally do for our practices um they give us a practice plan a day in advance Um, so we let each class plan a practice and we have theme weeks as well in our preseason. So for example, our first week is always comfortable with the uncomfortable. So our freshmen had that week and they had to plan a practice, fit it around the theme, talk about the chapters in their book during practice. Um, so we let them plan a practice and it's really good. It's really good team building. They always do something fun in it. Um, but I think that's a really cool thing we do. And then we also, this year we started these things called empowerment packs which I stole from Illinois, um, Tyra Perry does these. And um, we have four empowerment packs. So we split up the whole, all of the classes. Each, each pack has all different classes on them. And we have community service, social media, team building, and wellness. So the community service is in charge of everything. That's a real big um, pillar of our program is being involved in the community. Um, social media, gives me ideas about what to put on our content. Um, we work with, they work with our SID a lot, who does a lot of our socials as well. And then we have team building, which in preseason is doing some type of team building activity every week. And then our wellness group sends out like an article or a podcast or something about well-being and healthy bodies um, once a month. So that's another thing we did this year, which I really like. Those are super cool. And another thing I'm going to steal. So I... <laughs> 
love all of that stuff that you're doing with your girls. I mean, I feel like you've shared a ton. Do you have any other tips or advice for coaches trying to work on this kind of stuff with their girls? Um, like I said, I'm going to go into the theme weeks a little bit, but like I said, our preseason is made up of theme. Um, and I'll just kind of run down our themes because I, we work really hard on them and we try to incorporate as much as possible in them. So the first week is uh, comfortable with the uncomfortable. The second week is pay it forward. We did a lot of, that was last week. We did a lot of um, like alumni engagement and stuff like that. Our girls wrote letters to alum. Um, this week is one pulse week, which is actually our theme. So talking about family, being all on the same page, um, being together as a team. Um, next week is embrace your role. And then the following week is actually when we open up. So we have that compete week. And then the week after that is when we're going to go over our personality test. And that is learning to flex. Excellent. And I love that you're planning ahead for the, the role playing part, because that part is really tough for every team, every single season. But I think if you get ahead of it, it's much easier to make a smooth transition transition into playing. Yeah, it's, it is tough. I know everybody wants to be out there and everybody wants to play and we want kids on our team that want to play. Right. So, um, but obviously it's not going to happen. All of, everybody on our team if you're on a good team everybody on our team has started their whole life so when they get to college and they may or may not be starting I think it's sometimes it's like oh my gosh why why am I not starting why am I not playing so really trying to realize that everybody has a role on the team whether it's keeping my pitching charts next to me or being a pinch runner or being a starting pitcher and I think too the other awesome thing is the community involvement right because you're developing these kids, like you said, at the very beginning, um, to be more than just softball players, right? So I think that getting them involved in the community is a really good way. And, and maybe they wouldn't know even how to uh, without without the guidance of the softball team. So I think that's great that you're doing that as well, in, embedded in your culture. Yeah, and I think it's just so important. Um, our community here in Bloomington Normal is so great to us. Like, our stands are packed. Our, we just had over 2,000 people at a basketball game the other day, and there was it was standing room only. So, I mean, our community supports us so much here that we want to give back and we want to give them as much as they give us and support. And hopefully sometime they could re return that as well, right, as well when they go out. Because they're all not going to probably stay in the area, but take that back to their communities, which is so great. Yeah. Well, thanks again, Coach, for your time. Is there anything else that you'd like to add? No, thank you guys so much. This was fun. And that's it for this episode. To keep up with Coach Miller and the Titans team this year, follow Coach on Twitter at NinMin30. That's N-I-N-M-I-N-3-0. And catch the team at IWU Softball. Are you going to steal some of Coach Miller's activities like I am? Then we should probably share it with some of our friends too so they can help their players as well. You can subscribe to our show on the podcast player of your choice and give us a five-star review to help reach more people. It helps us bring in more fantastic guests. We can all keep leveling up our skills and coaching the mental game and make an even bigger impact on our girls. If you have any questions at any time, comments, or suggestions, please feel free to reach out to me at mel at mentalsweetspot.com. Shoot me a message on Twitter at Coach Mel Rushing or join our free Facebook group, Mental Sweet Spot Coaches Club. Thank you again for joining us, Coach. Have a good one.